What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. I really recommend you guys go check us out if you haven't over there. That's where we post all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes, polls, all the information we got on the baseball side. We do tend to share it out at EthosFantasyBB. If you're not on Twitter, then go to SportsEthos.com and hover over our MLB tab to see all of our recent articles and news and podcasts and everything else. Now, before we really get going today, I do want to have kind of like a special announcement here. A couple things, actually, really. I'll be quick about it. Uh, But a week today, we'll be live for the trade deadline. It is officially a week away. We're starting to see some little bits of, you know, we saw the the Fujinami trade last week. We saw Kike Hernandez get traded today. Actually, Pierce Johnson uh, got traded yesterday, the day before. So there's been a couple of little moves, nothing earth-shattering. But hopefully over the next week, and hopefully they hold off until we're actually live on the show. Uh, But next Tuesday between 1 and 6 p.m. Eastern time, we are going to be live on the Sports Ethos YouTube channel, likely on my Twitter account as well, and maybe a couple of other Twitter accounts uh, uh, within the Sports Ethos family. We might share it out as much as we can. But that is a week today, so make sure you guys are setting your reminders to go and watch that if you're at work or whatever. You can have it on in the background. If you're going to be like out during the day and busy, don't worry, because that'll be available for playback afterwards, and they'll go out as podcasts throughout that week. Uh, those will be the podcasts that we're going to be releasing, because next week is actually a vacation week for me. I'm going to be away uh, for most of the week, so I'm going to be using those podcasts that we do, the live podcasts, as my show for the majority of that week. We might do one follow-up show just to kind of recap everything, but I'm hoping we get that done during the deadline, we can get the trade because sometimes you get a bunch of trades that come out after the fact, you know, after the 6 p.m. deadline. We'll you know, hit the stop recording button and then eight more trades will be finalized. So maybe we'll have to do another kind of podcast just to sum those up. But hoping uh, that we get all of that news earlier in the day if possible so that we kind of know the full scope of things uh, by the time the deadline does roll around because it can be kind of annoying after the fact if you know you're. You're seeing trades get done, the deadline hits, you make your pickups in your fantasy leagues, and then there's another trade, and there's another guy you would have potentially picked up after the fact. So you got to kind of be cautious a little bit about making moves uh, on that day until it's all said and done. But essentially, the whole point of me saying that, go check out Sports Ethos on YouTube. That page has not yet been created, but we're going to be getting it set up over the next couple of days. <clears throat> and then you guys can go in there and set likes and reminders and everything else so that you're making sure you see us that day. Now... The second bit of news is for tomorrow's show, we're going to have a very, very cool and fun episode. Mike Curland and Rob Silver are both going to be joining me tomorrow evening. We're going to be talking about a lot of different parts of fantasy baseball, mostly concerning with their strategies and processes, but we're also going to be talking about competing for an overall championship. I don't know, some of you people might not know what we're talking about, so this is generally on the NFBC. There's a couple other sites that you can do it on fan tracks as well. If there are multiple different leagues all competing for a same overall title, it it's only works for Roto. But if you ever hear <clears throat> excuse me, people talking about the main event overall or the draft champions overall or the Roto Wire overall or <clears throat> different variations of that, whenever you hear overall mentioned in terms of fantasy baseball, they're talking about not just your individual league, but an overall component. You're competing against everybody who is in the tournament. So that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow a little bit. Rob Silver in 2016 won the NFBC main event overall title. That is, I mean, the prize varies a little bit year to year, but it's about 150000 American dollars. 
not a bit of chump change. It is a nice, nice little bit of change that Rob won <clears throat> and that people win every single year, not just from the main event, but from a ton of different overall championships. So uh, Rob has won it before. He's always very competitive in the high-stakes games. Mike Curland is currently 10th in the main event overall standings this year. So we're going to talk to both of them and get kind of a little bit of an idea of their strategies, their processes, what goes into winning an overall and competing for an overall versus just your own league. I thought that'd be a cool one to do. So we're going to be doing that one tomorrow evening. It'll be coming out probably on the podcast side around 9 p.m. So spent a bit longer on that than I wanted to, but I do want you guys to be checking out the great work that we got coming up because it's going to be a lot of fun here over the next week. But today, it is Tuesday. We are going to be doing our mailbag episode like we usually do here on Tuesday Tuesday afternoon, evening time. We usually do our mailbag. I sent the tweet out earlier in the day today, and we are going to be going through your questions. So let's get it started off here with the first question. Sometimes Twitter is so damn slow these days. My God, and I'm trying to load up the, you know, just to see the questions and the answers that I gave out earlier on Twitter. It is so freaking slow some days, and today is no different. Uh, but we got the first question here. So 12 teams, six by six, rest of season. Hold for first base, Torkelson or Tristan Cassis? Tristan Cassis has got to be the guy you go with right now. Torkelson has been good recently as well. You know, not to, not to fault him at all. He's been the 38th-ranked player over the last month, seven homers, 20 ribbies. He's been really good. Tristan Cassis has kind of been in uh, in another world altogether recently, and he's doing it, uh, you know, he's doing it in a lot of different areas of the game. Specifically, the batting average is what comes to mind as opposed to Spencer Torgelson, who's, you know, going to be a low 200s, mid-200s hitter. Cassis has the potential to be closer to a 300 hitter, and we've seen that over the last month. He's batting 345. Over the last couple of weeks, he's batting 462 with five homers in his last 26 at-bats. He is scorching right now. You have to take the guy who's in the better lineup. Who's It's, it's pretty close overall, I'd say. Uh, Cassis is the guy I'd lean, but specifically when you factor in the lineup context, Boston is actually a very good offense this year. Uh, it, it was very surprising to me and probably a lot of different people around, and maybe some people don't even recognize how good they've been. But Boston as a team ranks fifth in runs per game, second in hits per game, third in batting average, fifth in on-base percentage. They're sixth in OPS. <clears throat> they are an elite offense, despite being fourth in the American League East, essentially tied for, you know, tied for fourth with the Yankees. <clears throat> they are still very, very good, and it's just a product of the American League East being ridiculously deep that they're not you know, a little bit better up in the standings. If they were in the American League Central, they'd be in second. If they were in the West, they'd be in third. If they were in any other division in baseball, they'd be at least third, ex- with the exception of the NL West, where they'd be just a game back. But very good offense. Tristan Cass is fitting in the middle of that lineup, figures to be a staple there for the rest of the season. And for, you know, I think they consider him a franchise player, as they should. So there's no reason to think that they're going to move off of him or anything like that. And I don't think the Tigers are going to do that with Torkelson either. I think they're both here to stay at this point. But I do think that the upside is higher with Tristan Cassis. So he is the guy that I would lean towards uh, for this season and in the long term as well. I'd go Cassis. And it's funny. I actually had two people ask that exact same question, uh, Cassis or Torkelson today. Exact same question. Uh, And it was actually, maybe it was (laughs) the same um, league mates? I don't I don't really know. Maybe they're debating a trade because it was Torkelson or Cassis rest of the season in a six category. Oh, maybe six. I guess he means six category league, six hitting categories. That's what I have to take from that. Maybe they're in the same league, but we got the same question. Um, let's keep going, though. Let's go to the second one. It's from Dave Funnel, who works for Fantrax, Pitcher List, Prospects 1500. He works for a bunch of different places. Dave does the Fantrax injury report every morning. 
I'd very highly recommend that you go follow him on Twitter. Go look up Dave L. Funnel with two L's. Uh, he is a great follow. He does great work every single day. He's got the fan tracks injury report helping you out with your lineups. And even just if you're a real baseball fan, too, it doesn't even necessarily have to be for fantasy purposes. I know you guys are listening to this likely because you're fantasy baseball people. But you could absorb Dave's content as just an average baseball fan as well and still get a lot out of it. So highest recommendations there for Dave. He's asking me to name a player who's out of the top 100 that supplants himself into the top 50 heading into next year. I went with one pitcher and I went with one hitter here. The pitcher that I went with is Hunter Green. I think the Hunter Green skills, once he is back and healthy and fully able to go, um, are going to be some of the best that we see in baseball. I think that he is an absolute stud in the making, and I do think that once he actually is able to give us a full season, now that he's got a couple of years under his belt in the bigs, I know he's been hurt. He hasn't pitched in a good while. Um, But I think that once he is back next season, once we see a full, healthy Hunter Green, we're going to see him start to dominate. We already saw it to some extent this year that he was a lot better than last year. The results were a lot better than last year. Anyway, strikeouts got a little bit better. Walk rate is still kind of a problem, and that's going to be a little bit of a problem for him. And Great American Ballpark could potentially hinder him as well. But with the way that team's turning around, with the way the offense is really, really coming into its own, there's going to be a lot more potential for victories at Great American. So that's something that you didn't really see from him last year or this year. He started 38 games in his career. He's won seven of them. Definitely something I think we could see turn around going forward. I think as he gets older and he gets more used to pitching in the majors, we're going to see that home run problem continue to dissipate. It was 1.72 homers per nine last year. This year it's been 1.1. That's a massive difference, a massive, massive difference. So I think Hunter Green going forward, yes, the ballpark does scare me a little bit. The homers and the walks do as well, but I do think we're going to see a stud pitcher here sooner rather than later, and I think next year is a good time to be buying Hunter Green. You might be able to get him at a fairly decent price, you know, for the things I mentioned, the great American ballpark factor, the fact that he's been hurt for a good while. Now, it is his hip, I believe, that has been injured, so it's not like he's going to need a big ramp-up period with his arm, right? I mean, he'll need to ramp up. I'm sure he's been pitching, though. He's been doing some stuff with his arm. It's not like he hurt his elbow or had TJ or something where you can't work on your arm at all, so I figure he'll come back and he'll be in decent form, even if he does come back. And I don't actually know about his timeline for this year because... I haven't seen anything recently. Let me just see if there is anything that's come on the last couple of days. Uh, I think it's supposed to be middle of August, roughly. Uh, That's what I'm hearing. But regardless, he's the guy that I'm thinking next year could easily be a top 50 guy on the pitching side. On the hitting side, Ezekiel Tovar is the guy that I went with. Big fan of what Ezekiel Tovar does. Again, we're talking about a great ballpark here as well for Tovar to flourish as a good batting average guy and potentially you know I don't expect him to be a big power guy but in course field you could see somebody who is probably going to be a you know 15 home run kind of guy 13 15 home run kind of guy become like a 20 25 homer type of guy not that I'm necessarily saying he's going to be a 25 homer guy but I think that we're going to see more power than we normally would have we're going to see that speed start to come around because we saw it at all levels of the minor leagues right he didn't. I mean, he didn't really have much time in AAA. He only played five games in AAA. But if you're looking at what he did at single A, I mean, low A, high A, double A, he was always stealing bases. So I, I do think we're going to see that come around more. I think the power will be there. We've already seen the batting average start to come around as well for the last little while. It's not crazy, but he's got it up to 261 for the year. Again, we're talking about a rookie. You can't have like crazy, crazy high expectations for a lot of these guys. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes the guys that you have crazy high expectations of as a rookie, you know, Corbin Carroll's of the world and Julio Rodriguez's, sometimes they pan out. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time, and we've seen that 
with Tovar that over the course of the season, he has really figured himself out. And I do think in that ballpark, he'll be somebody that is a staple at the top of the order for Colorado for quite some time. And I do think we're going to see many, many 2020 seasons out of him with the potential for close to a 300 average. You know, maybe he's in the 280s, 290s, but it'll be close. Either way, I do think that we are going to see Tovar put up a close to a top 50 season. I might be pushing it. I might be pushing it here. But based on Dave's criteria, guy outside of the top 100 who moves in the top 50, I really like the chances for Ezekiel Tovar for next season. Rest of season, bench hitter. Please rank in a 12-team league. We got Benson, Newtbar, Siri, and Talkman. I put Newtbar at the top there. You know, I still think the Cardinals, maybe I'm insane, but I don't think that they're that bad offensively. I know that they have been, as a team, very disappointing. But offensively, they're a top 10 offense in pretty much every single facet of the game. 10th in runs per game, 7th in hits, 4th in on-base percentage, 7th in slugging, 7th in homers. They're a good offense. Newpar being back, hitting at the top of that order, is going to do things. He's going to hit some home runs for you. He's going to steal some bases for you. He's going to do a lot. He's going to score a lot of runs at the top of that order. I think this overall, he is definitely the guy that I'd put first in this group. A potential, you know, for maybe not a 300 hitter, but somewhere in like the 270s, 280s going forward. And another guy who potentially could be a 15-15 or 20-20 guy very easily. Um, but even for the rest of this season, just looking forward, getting at bats consistently the top of the Cardinals lineup every single day is going to lead to good things, especially when the skills are already very, very solid for new bar. So he's the guy I put at the top there. I followed it up with Will Benson because I think Will Benson, he's going to be a staple in that Cincinnati lineup going forward. Even though he's batting ninth, it doesn't really matter when the lineup is turning over to the guys that it is, the McLeans and the Dela Cruzes of the world. Uh, you know, India and Strand and everybody, and that whole lineup, really, it doesn't even really matter. The whole lineup has just been so good. And Benson, if you look at what he's done over the course of the season, is very good. But specifically over the last month, over his last 64 at-bats, three homers, six stolen bases, and a 313 batting average. As a side note, he's on 20% of Yahoo rosters. He needs to be added. I'm probably going to tweet it out after I finish recording here. But Jesus, like he should not be available in so many leagues. He is playing pretty much every day. He's giving you great production. He's a top 100 player over the last month. Speculate on him and add him. I know I put Nupar ahead of him still, but Benson should be on more rosters than he is. <clears throat> I followed that up with Jose Siri in the third spot. I do really like what he does. He's got great power. I just worry a little bit about how many at-bats we're going to see from Jose Siri. <clears throat> it kind of an- annoys me that we see him, you know, playing, you know, three of every four games or whatever it is. He's only for the season got 220 at-bats. You'd wish more than that. You know that the speed can come around. We know the power's there now. Overall, I mean, he's he's been very good if you're in, like, a deeper league, but he just doesn't play enough that he's able to actually be that solid of a fantasy asset for you. Just kind of interestingly, he has seven home runs in the last month, only nine runs scored and eight RBIs. Really weird stuff, but I guess that just comes with being on a, a team that's kind of struggling right now. I was listening to Rates and Barrels a couple days ago with Eno Saris and Derek Van Riper, and the Rays' record over the last 30 games is like 10-20 and 20 or something. I, I didn't go and look it up after the fact. I was driving home while I was listening to it, but it kind of caught me. I like, hit the rewind 15-second button on the podcast app. I was like, hold on, let me, just, let me just hear this again. And I believe it was yesterday, and I should have written it down, but I think they're 10-20 and 20 over the last 30 games. So an offense that's not really doing well, a team as a whole that's not really doing well, with Siri not playing every single day, I just can't see the argument to have him uh, as like a must-roster kind of guy. And then at the end of it, Mike Talkman, I think that he is, I don't know, 
is he really worth it? I don't think so. I mean, he's been on a little bit of a hot streak right now, but he's not somebody that I expect to be an everyday bat going forward. I think he's going to platoon. I think that his production is going to vary. So he's pretty comfortably fourth there for me. But just to recap, Lars Nupar, one. Uh, Will Benson, two. Jose Siri, three. And then Mike Talkman four. Best buy low pitcher and hitter for Hitter, I did Pete Alonso because I really just don't think it can be that bad for this long. He is still a top 100 player for the season, and he actually hit a home run today. Uh, there's the Subway Series going on at Yankee Stadium. He's been awful recently. Over the last month, it's 82 at-bats for Alonso. He's got 15 hits, which is a 183 batting average with only three home runs. You can sell somebody potentially uh, on that 183 batting average if you're trying to buy them, get them away from that person, and say, look, Alonzo's struggling. The Mets are struggling. The power's not there. He's been hurt. He came back early from his injury. And I think that there is a room, there's wiggle room to buy very low on Pete Alonzo. Even though he is a top 100 player this season, I think there's room for you to be able to acquire him for somebody outside of the top 100 who is maybe an emerging kind of player. You know, it might sound crazy, but Edward Julian's been ridiculously hot. Take Edward Julian and pair him up with somebody else. Don't be ridiculous and offer Julian straight up one for one for Pete Alonso. But take a guy like, a, not even necessarily Julian himself, but somebody like that who's been very hot. Package them up together with somebody else. There's a decent chance I think you could acquire Pete Alonso on the low and not have to pay a stupid amount of, of you know capital for him, even though he is somebody that isn't potential like you know going forward MVP candidate year in and year out you start the year he's always going to be a guy who's in the running for MVP with the power that he has with everything that he does on the baseball field he's incredible it's only a matter of time before he turns it around and I think that we're going to see the Mets also it's maybe I might be crazy but I don't think the Mets are going to be selling at the deadline like everybody thinks they are I just don't think Cohen has that in him to start selling off pieces and if they do it won't be anybody that's that significant Mark Canna's of the world it's not going to be anybody that's you know altering life altering for that lineup. So I do think they're going to turn it around as a whole, and I do think Pete Alonso will as well as we progress down this season. Now the buy low pitcher that I mentioned is Pablo Lopez. If you guys have been following along with my tweets, if you guys have been following along with everything I've done this year, I've been a huge Pablo Lopez fan. It just always seems that he's getting screwed. It's never good luck for him, and even today he's pitching today. He's already given up three runs. Uh, so far, and it is whole, actually no. Is it two runs? No, actually, hell, it's four runs he's given up here. Um, no, Jesus, I'm looking at the wrong side. That's actually George Kirby who's given up four runs. I caramba, that is not good. Pablo Lopez on the other side, he's given up a run uh, over his first inning and a third, two strikeouts so far. He did give up a long ball today, uh, and that was to Julio Rodriguez. But I just think that Pablo Lopez's skill set is very good. I think it's very undervalued. The strikeouts are there. He's on a team that does win a decent amount of games. They're not an amazing team, but they're a team that is, you know, first place in their division. They win enough games where it's somebody that you can roster just on that alone. I know he's only got five wins in the 20 starts this year. It's just bad luck. He's somebody who strikes out a ton of batters. He has a 30% strikeout rate. There is only a handful of guys in Major League Baseball who have a 30% strikeout rate. I've talked about this ad nauseum it feels like but he is in the strider gosman kind of blake snell group there in terms of strikeout rate he's not really getting screwed in terms of like the babbitt and left on base percentage but the results just haven't been there for whatever reason despite the massive strikeouts despite very good walk rate at seven percent the pitching indicators are all quite a bit better than the era he's got a 422 era but he has a 322 x era a 340 fip and a 350 x fip if you go down to look at the sierra 339. All the skills are there. 
it just hasn't worked so far for whatever reason. But you have to figure that at some point the luck has to come. Like it, it can't just be a whole year of throwing thirty percent strikeout rate with like a low three Sierra and not eventually turn it around. So Pete Alonso and Pablo Lopez are the guys that I would be buying low on at this point. If you had to give me <clears throat> one pitcher and one hitter to buy low on, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, those would be the guys that I uh, go for. I was wor- working in a warehouse these days. Uh, it's like my summer job, and I am breathing in so much dust on a daily basis. It's really not great. <clears throat> excuse me. So that's why the coughing is a little out of hand today, uh, breathing in dust all day. But apologies there. Uh, I'm going to move on to the next question, though. Top waiver wire ad under 50% rostered on Yahoo. This is kind of my bread and butter type of question. The guys I went with were the aforementioned Lars Newbar. I think he needs to be rostered. Tyler O'Neill, who's just under that threshold. Both of these guys are like 48, 49% rostered. Uh, Newbar 48, O'Neill 49. I think one way or the other, something has to give with O'Neill. Either they give him the regular playing time that he probably deserves or he gets traded at the deadline. And either way, I think that he is somebody you stash right now. 49%, flip a coin if he's available in your league. But I think one way or the other, Tyler O'Neill is going to be playing more after the All-Star break. I don't know if it's going to be Marmol getting fired and somebody else playing him more or if it's going to be the fact that he gets traded. I've heard a lot of trades speculated. Maybe send him to Miami. Uh, you know, Tyler Rod. Uh, which which Rogers is in Miami now? Taylor, uh, Trevor Rogers. There's Taylor. There's Tyler. There's Trevor. Uh, very easy to mix them up there. I got them confused in my head. But you know, I just don't get why Tyler O'Neill doesn't play more. I know it hasn't been the most linear path to success for him, but we're only a couple years removed from him really seemingly breaking out. And even last year, limited at bats, 334 of them, 14 homers and 14 steals at the very least. He can be a huge fantasy asset when he is healthy and when he is playing. Like. For Christ's sakes, let's get him in the lineup here. Uh, but I just think that he is still somebody that we don't know how good he can be, and I don't think the Cardinals are giving him their due yet. So I think at some point that will change. Maybe it doesn't, but I think that he is somebody below that 50% threshold that should be given at least a hard look. The last guy that I did mention here as well, could I give a couple of different options? Jack Sawinski. Jack Sawinski for you know the inconsistency, the perceived inconsistency this year. Twenty-one homers, seven stolen bases. He's batting two thirty, which is you know his batting average is never going to be a strength for him, but he has raised his batting average twenty-eight points from last year. Definitely something to be said about that. The runs in the RBIs are not amazing. They're never going to be for a bad team. Forty-two runs and fifty-two ribbies, but you figure he can still finish off with you know seventy runs and eighty RBIs, something in that range. Maybe that's a little ambitious, but that feels about right, honestly. 70 runs, 80 RBIs, probably gets the 30 dingers, or he gets within, you know, a couple anyways. At 21 already, and we're still talking about two-plus months left. I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't hit 30 dingers. And the stolen bases are not going to be abundant, but he's got seven, one over the last month, probably gets you to 10. So we're talking about a 30-10 and 10 guy, most likely, who is sitting on a lot of waiver wires. He's only 42% rostered. So go take a good, long look at Jack Sawinski if he's sitting on waiver wires, as well as Tyler O'Neill and Lars Nupar. I'd probably prioritize Sawinski at this point, Actually, no, I, I prioritize Newtbar and then Sawinski and then probably Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill is more of like a luxury, hoping that something changes after the deadline. If you need the production today, I'd probably go Newtbar. Uh, O'Neill is more of a guy that you can project and hope the best for. Um, one guy says, am I supposed to still be having fun? Fantasy baseball should only be until the All-Star. You know, there is an argument to be made for a shorter season, potentially, for baseball because it's 162 games. It is by far the longest of any professional sports league, but I'd love it too much to agree with that particular take. I, I'll be very sad 
uh, once the end of October hits, we have no more baseball. I mean, really, once the end of September hits and fantasy's done, and then you kind of have to just, you know, cheer for real baseball. And what's the fun in cheering for real baseball? We're only here for fantasy. But I will be very sad once the season ends. It'll just start the whole prep process for next year where we start breaking down everything and looking at trends and looking at year-over-year trends as well. Uh, you know, players that we like, players who are lucky and unlucky and all that. And I love that process. I had really, truly sunk into it for the first time this offseason before this year. Because before last season, I, I didn't really know too far in advance I was going to be doing this podcast. I got hired in January by Sports Ethos. I started the baseball department at Sports Ethos in February or late February, early March of 2022. And it was little old me for just a while, and I was kind of doing my thing with the podcast. But I didn't have a whole offseason to prep to do this and do that. Um, so this was kind of my first time. It was very fun, and I am looking forward uh, to doing it again this year. But let's let the season play out and not rush uh, to the end. Because once it's done, we're all going to be sitting around, you know, fiddling our thumbs for six months until baseball comes back. But anyway, guys, I really appreciate everybody chiming in with their questions. I got to most of you guys uh, here on the podcast. I got to everybody over on Twitter. If you asked a question, didn't hear it answered over here, it was answered over on Twitter. So I really appreciate that. Uh, go check me out. I'm over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 at EthosFantasyBB. That's the company account. We share out all of these podcasts, the It's Gone podcast with Britton Allen, a soon-to-be-launched Dynasty Baseball podcast, which we will give you details of over the next week or two. And, of course, go to sportsethos.com for all the rest of our content. But, guys, tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun. Rob Silver and Mike Curlin are both going to be joining us. We're going to be talking strategy. We're going to be talking how to win in fantasy baseball in general, but specifically for overall tournaments. It should be a lot of fun. I hope you guys are joining. Subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think down below. If you like what you hear, five stars always goes a long way to helping us out, helping us grow. Me personally, Sports Ethos in general, it just takes a second of your time. That much is always appreciated. But guys, until tomorrow, like I said, we'll be here with Rob and Mike. But until then, take care and have a great night.